On today's episode, we're thinking about quick answers to quick questions. The Evangelist's Podcast. Encouragement to speak life to a needy world. With Glenn Scrivener and Andy Brinkley. This is uh, number four in the uh, series of quick answers to quick questions. We've been going through some quick sort of pithy, in a way, uh, Mm. responses to people that come out with with sort of major objections to to faith, to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been going through a number of them. Um, 16, well, we've done 12, haven't we? Done 12, yep. We did the final four. Final four. It's like the semi-finals, the final four. <laughs> Before we go on, I uh, just want to tell you about the Speak Life Daily. It's a small pocket-sized booklet that tells 31 stories of what God is doing through the church around the world. Did you know thousands are responding to the gospel in Cameroon? 30,000 find Christ every day in China or the shipment of 80,000 Bibles to Cuba. Not only this, but it gives inside information about what we're up to at Speak Life. Uh, what Glenn's diary is, and uh, it also gives some daily spiritual inspiration. You can sign up uh, for a paper copy or uh, via email at our website, speaklife.org.uk. So, Glenn, we've got uh, another Australian review okay. for the podcast, and I'm going to give it to you to read again. G'day, g'day. So you can get the accent. And how you going? What do you know? We'll strike a light. Okay, customer review. Okay, James Craig. Hello, James. Uh, The Evangelist Podcast is a great resource for those who are serious about proclaiming the gospel in an engaging way with people today. Glenn's presentations are always clear and accessible with a deep biblical insight into both the issues we face and the simple but profound truth of the gospel. The fact that he is also an Aussie is a bonus, obviously, as I think UK and Australian cultures are similar enough for our issues and struggles in evangelism to be much the same. Well done, Andy and Glenn. Oh, thank you very much, James. That's great. Just so you know, I hadn't seen that before, and I didn't I didn't know that I was going to be reading such nice things about us. Oh, well, anyway, thank you very much. And for everyone who's surprised... <laughs> yeah, that's a, I am the most surprised. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to recap uh, all of these now. Should we just... Yeah. We'll, we'll recap all of them. Let's, well, let's, let's alternate. Do 12. Let's alternate. I'll be the questioner, you be the answerer, and then I'll you be the questioner and I'll be the answerer. Yeah? Whoa. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Atheism isn't a belief, it's the absence of belief. Really? And I suppose anarchism is the absence of political convictions? If God made the world, who made God? That's like asking, if the sun enlightens the earth, what enlightens the sun? I don't believe in God. I probably don't believe in the God you're imagining either. Let's talk about Jesus. I could never be religious. Many say I could never be married, but then they meet the one. That's who Jesus is to me. How can you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? How can you believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos? Talk about miraculous. There's no need for God. Science explains it all. I can explain that sentence. No need for you then. If you grew up in 12th century Nepal, you wouldn't be a Christian. If you grew up there, you wouldn't be a sceptic. You believe we're born sick and commanded to be well. No, we're born hungry and offered bread. As with the physical, so the spiritual. Suffering rules out God. Which God? Certainly many gods are incompatible with suffering, but what about the crucified God? To say Jesus is the one way is narrow. But you insist on one way to consider religions. That's narrow. 
to say sex stroke marriage is for one man and one woman is homophobic. Think of a Buddhist. Is their vegetarianism carnivorephobic? Religions cause all wars. Nope, only about seven percent. God isn't the common denomina- denominator in war. Humanity is. There we go. Very good. So, we sort of as we've been going through these, we've been highlighting that uh, it's not uh, it's not meant to be sort of like a glib, quick mm. um, shot to kind of uh, dispel all uh, unbelief yeah. in one, yeah. one shot. Yeah. Um, this is just something to sort of get behind what people are saying to sort of shake the foundations a little bit. Yes. Um, yes, exactly. You know, it's not necessarily we're trying to um, argue somebody into the kingdom of God. No. <laughs> um, just, just to kind of uh, point people hmm. I- in a different. Yeah. Um, come from a different basis. Yeah, and we've done we've done episodes in the past, and perhaps we can put in the show notes other episodes we've done in terms of um, the issue of handling questions, mm. and then we've dealt at length with various objections to faith, like science and sexuality and hypocrisy in the church and judgment and all these issues, and we've dealt with them at length. Um, and so we'll put in the in the show notes sort of episodes that where we've also talked at greater length about the issue of handling questions and also some of these more apologetic issues um, at greater length. But what this is is just the it's the acknowledgement that conversations move really fast mm-hmm. between lots of different topics and and that people do have these objections to faith that are that they just reach for really unthinkingly and what what you really need is to arrest those thoughts in those moments and to be able to shake the shake the foundations a little bit and and reorient the conversation towards Jesus in a in a more helpful way and that's just that's just what we're trying to do here yeah yeah glenn uh, a few episodes ago in fact uh, i think it's actually about 80 episodes ago 80 episodes ago all right um you talked about the um the four uh, you talked about the three R's. Yes. For when you know responding to people, I think it was yeah, uh, reflecting and reframing. Reframing, that's it. And revealing. Revealing. Yes, and I've come up with a fourth R actually since oh, then. All right. Yes, that's what happens. What happens? There'll, there'll be six R's next time you ask me. <laughs> um, yeah, just just little things to think about when when people come to you with questions. So just very briefly, because you can go to go to the episode and and, and hear us unpack it. But um, we reflect the question back to the questioner. If they've if they've got a question about suffering, mm-hmm. and you know it's perfectly le- legitimate to say, well, I'll yeah, I'll totally talk to you about how I think about suffering. But how do you cope with suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've got the comfort of the suffering God who joins me in the midst of of the valley of the shadow. How do you handle it with suffering? And, and, you know, that can lead to a really fruitful question. So you reflect it back. You relate your own experience, not as someone who's got all the answers to, to life, but as someone who just, yeah, as a Christian, mm. suffering is really difficult. Like a testimony. Also. And you give yeah. a testimony of, yeah, and I thought God had abandoned me at that mm. point. And just relate how you personally have struggled with it, not at a, not at a simple intellectual level, but mm. at, a, at, at an existential level. Um, then, So you reflect, you relate, then you reframe the question according to gospel terms and so you, you might just want to think about what what are the assumptions behind that question well what do you mean by god in that in that instance um and and so you're you're reframing um the the way that the question is 
asked and therefore the way that you answer it. Mm. Because Jesus very rarely answers questions on their own terms in the Gospels. He, he, he usually shifts the ground, reorients things, um, and answers them from a different perspective. And I, I, that's what we need to do with the reframing. I'm not interested in justifying any old deity in the in the face of a suffering world hmm. because any old deity in the in the face of a suffering world does not like inspire trust or allegiance because any old god who's just happens to be ruling over this mess you think oh I, i'm not sure I, I could believe in such a god and you might be right if that's the god that you're thinking of you'd you'd be right to reject that god what about jesus and hmm. so that and that's the fourth r you reveal jesus it, Everything that you're trying to do is not just to win an intellectual argument, but to shift the ground, to open things up so that you can get the word of Christ uh, into people's hearts. And so you reveal Jesus. Mm. And, and so you, you're always trying to get straight to the heart of who is Jesus. Oh, he's the suffering God. So suffering cannot rule out the suffering God. Mm. When, you've, when you've got Jesus at the center, that's the beginning of the answer. So reflect, relate, reframe, reveal. Okay, so we, we'll keep those in mind as we go through these uh, final four then. Yep. Um, so let's t- look at this. Uh, why doesn't God just forgive? And the quick answer is, have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried forgiving? It hurts. It means self-sacrifice, because forgiving a debt means absorbing the cost. Mm. And so that's just pointing people to an analogy. Um, and So can I just uh, yeah. jump in? Uh, so this is, why, does, why doesn't God just forgive people who've done wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Um, why, why go through the cross and yeah, the mess why, and the gospel and, yeah, sure. and all those animals dying in the Old Testament and mm. why doesn't God just you know about you know people who die without Christ mm. why doesn't God just let them into heaven anyway is that kind of a it could be it could be that question it's, it's more specifically when people kind of just think the cross is like a completely overblown overreaction by God and why right. why why bother with the whole Jesus thing yeah you know if, I've I've committed a lie and yeah God Kills his son. God kills his son, <laughs> and now he lets me into heaven. Well, why doesn't he just cut out the whole killing his son bit? <laughs> you know? um, yeah. So this is this is really the question that gets asked when once um, you've explained the gospel a little bit. It's yeah. also a, a big question that Muslims have. Um, Allah is just merciful and compassionate, and just you know forgives. Doesn't doesn't need Jesus to die for Allah to forgive you. Um, so you just forgive, and and you can go in two related directions with that. You can either you can stick to strictly the um, the analogy in which you say, okay, well, if you owe me ten thousand pounds and I forgive you the debt, does that cost me nothing? No, it costs me ten thousand pounds. I've <laughs> I've got to find that money somewhere else. I've, I I take the hit. You get off scot free. Mm. I take the hit. And in the same way, um, you know, God freely forgives us and we're let off the hook but it costs him you know he he absorbs the hit and actually you know even in the lord's prayer it's forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors most literally that's what the language is Mm. um yeah so when debts get wiped off somebody bears the cost and that's what that's what jesus is doing on the cross and so you you either point people towards that kind of analogy or or you just point them to their own personal experience with forgiving Mm. do you find that easy to forgive um no it's hard isn't it and when you decide not to bear a grudge anymore and when you decide to to stop running them down in conversation to everybody else and when you when you decide to stop making them pay um you end up bearing the cost don't you it's costly it's hard 
what is the cross? It's Jesus paying the cost so that we don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's that kind of analogy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christians are hypocrites. Man, that comes up a lot. Um, I'm as good as they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, then at that stage, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot of quick answers to that, that one, and sometimes the appropriate quick quick answer when when people say you know church is full of hypocrites, sometimes the quick answer that's appropriate is oh it's not full, there's plenty of room for one more, <laughs> <laughs> always room for one more, and what you're trying to do and, and the answer the answer that I put on Twitter was um, Christians are hypocrites, no Christians are sinners, and we're very open about it. The biggest hypocrisy is pretending you don't have any. Mm. Um, so actually. Christians never pretended to perfection. Um, we actually know that we're sinners. And, and this sort of opens up a, a conversation like, you know, where you talk about Jesus says it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the sick. Mm. No one in a doctor's surgery is trying to pretend that they're healthy. And that's, that's kind of what church is. It's, it's, it's meant to be. The doctor's surgery where you're coughing and spluttering. But you're not a hypocrite because mm. you're sick in a doctor's surgery. That's where you're meant to be. <laughs> Um, and so it's just using analogies like that, and 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 like with this one, I I, I do I do want to gently push towards saying we're all hypocrites, aren't we? And, and the way I do that is by revealing my own hypocrisy and sin, and I I kind of talk about how, yeah, I I say one thing and I do a different thing, don't you? And if they say no, I never do. I'm like, mm, is there a danger of hypocrisy in that? Is is there? Is, Maybe and and you know I, I leave people with the with the thought maybe the mask that says I don't I don't I'm not wearing any masks mm. maybe that is the most insidious and wicked of all masks to wear <laughs> you know <laughs> and maybe the Christian who actually says yeah I have been wearing masks and I do it all the time and that's not good and I'm sorry actually that begins to be the healing for hypocrisy mm. healing for hypocrisy happens when you look bad in the presence of love. Mm. Hypocrisy flourishes when you think you've got to look good in the presence of judgment. Yeah. And actually the world is full of that. You think, you think you've got to look a certain way, you think you've got to achieve, you think you've got to be strong and powerful and beautiful and fa- clever and funny and all these different things. Mm. And actually that's what's going to lead to hypocrisy. Mm. The message of Christianity is you're very, very wicked underneath that that mask. You're very, very selfish. You're very sinful and you're very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're loved anyway. So drop the mask <laughs> and look bad in the presence of love. And that starts to be healing for hypocrisy. Yeah. And you start to be able to uh, overcome hypocrisy when you stop wearing the no hypocrisy mask. Yes. How how do you say that to somebody you know very well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a hypocrite too. Yeah. I suppose you've got to kind of yeah. say that in a way that's you, polite <laughs> you, you do it you do it by revealing your own hypocrisy in a fleshed out way yeah. you know like you know so i would say uh <laughs> if we're leaving the house and emma isn't ready i'm like oh just five minutes late make us five minutes late for leaving the house and that's that's ridiculous but then when I'm when I'm returning home from out of the house in, into the house, I think she should be completely cool with me being five minutes late. <laughs> it's like like five five minutes on my way back in. That's absolutely fine, right? Five minutes on the way out of the house. That's unreasonable and outrageous. And I sort of and so you just kind of confess your own hypocrisy in those moments. Yeah, yeah. 
to a, to to the point where they can sort of say, "Oh yeah, me too," or you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's the way. Yeah. yeah, confessing your own is 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 the way forward. Yeah. What about if someone says, "I wish I had your faith"? And the short answer I've got here is, uh, look, if I recommend my doctor, you don't need my faith in my doctor. You need my doctor. <laughs> um, and it and it's and you know sometimes I say about my doctor sometimes i said about you know an it consultant or you know I, I say you know andy fixed my computer the other day you just need andy right and if like if, if a friend's you know says i had this you know issue with windows 10 and it just didn't update and i said well you just need andy andy will fix you out and and if they then said i wish i had your faith in andy <laughs> what are you talking about you don't need my faith in Andy. you just need andy <laughs> Um, or I do it with you know car mechanic. You know Ed, Ed the car mechanic has fi- fixed our car many times. Something one time it cost him seventy nine p to fix our car. Just you know, just to get a part. And uh, and if you've got the same problem with your car, I'm going to say you need to call Ed. And if someone says I wish I had your faith in Ed, don't be ridiculous. You just need Ed. <laughs> um, and in the in this way, all you're trying to do is saying you don't need faith. You need Jesus. Hmm. And if you've got Jesus, you'll have faith. Um, and just trying to. Just trying to shift people's thinking on what faith is. It's not this thing that you possess that you try and work up in your own soul. Faith is knowing who Jesus is. So if you want, do, do you really want faith? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and in just the way, just the same way as I say, this doctor is great. You'll start to believe in that doctor. Just as you see Andy is brilliant at IT, you'll start to believe in Andy. Just as you see Ed is good with cars, you'll start to believe in Ed. Just as you see Jesus is wonderful with sinners, you'll start to believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you're just trying to shift people's thinking on, on what is faith there, really. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be inundated now. <laughs> Andy, Windows 10 is not updating. If God knew there'd be suffering, why create? Yeah, and and another another suffering question because it's 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 the biggie that people have, mm. and this one is really, could it ever be worth it? Could mm. it ever be worth it for for God to 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 make a world in which He knew that there would be bubonic plague, mm. and He knew that there would be black holes, and He knew that there would be earthquakes, and that hundreds of thousands of people could die at a single stroke. If you know all this, surely it's it's the height of negligence to create, knowing that there'd be a, a world like this. Uh, and, the, and again, here's an analogy. Uh, every parent knows that their children will suffer, mm. and will suffer existentially, and will suffer a, a great deal, but they give life nonetheless, and we tend to think that it is worth it um, to give life. And, and actually, throughout the Bible, childbearing is just such a massive illustration of suffering in the world in the old testament with jesus in the new testament everywhere you turn in the bible it's always talking about this childbearing Mm. thing and we are in the pains of childbearing and and so again this illustration of just saying well you know what every pregnant woman will say you know was it painful oh it was the most horrifically painful thing i've ever known in my life was it worth it yes it was worth it now interestingly a, a couple of times i've done this and and then people have said, oh, yeah, but what about, you know, stillborn children? Or what, mm. what about the mother dies in, in childbirth and all that kind of stuff? And that is, again, to mistake the analogy for the thing that you're, you're, you're trying to describe. Um, in the analogy, there really isn't a stillborn child. In the analogy, Jesus says, really, after the, after the childbearing, there really is hope. There really is new creation. Mm. Do you want to be a part of this? Um, there, there isn't the danger 
of a stillborn child within this analogy of creation heading towards life and hope. Um, and so at that, at, at that point, yeah, you want to make sure that you're being clear on what the analogy is and is not saying. But you are saying that, yeah, every parent knows that bringing children in the world will cause them suffering, will, will cause the children suffering, but even more, mm. it will cause the parents suffering. And that's the other thing that the illustration does, is that it says, actually, God knew that it would cost him more than it would cost any of us, mm. and he still thought it was worth it. The cross is God, is the childbearing pains of God himself suffering so that we might have life. And he seemed to think it was worth it. For the joy set before mm. him, he seemed to think it was worth going through it. And if Jesus thought it was worth going through all this to get to life at the end, yeah. then it must be. So maybe we can trust him. And it's it's worth saying that God didn't want there to be suffering. Uh-huh. It wasn't like he he um, had a desire for suffering, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And it it says that uh, he desires none to perish, but all to come to him. Yeah. So although he was, he knew it would happen in in some ways. Mm. It wasn't his perfect will to yeah. Will it was it was our. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it was our behavior really. Yeah. It's but, a uh, it's a fall not a push, you yes. know. Um yeah, and it's important to say it was a fall yeah. that we gladly turned from the light yeah. and fell rather than it was a push and he kind of, you know. It's not like he's uh, you know moving chess pieces around and uh, you know nonchalantly ha ha ha. Like the old sort of Greek ideas. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Sending thunderbolts the way that you know Thor kind of in, in the in the Norse religions would do that. It's it's certainly not that. You know, and, and there's there, there are great mysteries uh, around it all. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. John three sixteen should be sort of uh, tattooed on onto the inside of our eyeballs as we as we talk about this. Um, that is, yeah, God's great love for the world is that none may perish, but mm. all may have life. So the intention is for all to come in on this this new birth that God is offering. But for whatever reason, it's it's going through this trajectory, down mm. and then up, darkness and then light. But there is no darkness in God. Yeah. Darkness comes when we turn from the light. In him there is light and there is no darkness at all. So all those things we need to uh, affirm, but... Um, yeah, maybe maybe the analogy, the illustration of, of childbearing yeah. kind of helps us to figure out, if God knew it was going to happen, why suffer? Well, actually, life is a costly, painful thing. Um, we know that that's true uh, in in our relations. Actually, it's true for God as well. And just helping people to see that. Yeah, good. Okay, well, we've, we've come to the end there. Um, any sort of final um, encouragements or... or tips if you like I th- as we I th- come to the end of this yeah I, I mean i'm torn between saying learn this stuff or your own versions of this stuff yeah. and come up with better ones and and please email them in and and, and help us to know what you um use in, in in evangelism and do learn them and do take advantage of these conversations um in scores and scores of conversations, people have said things like, I don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, and it's led to a good conversation because mm. I've known what to say in that moment. People have said, who made God, and I've known what to say in that moment. So on, on one level, I want to say, learn this stuff. Learn mm. it by heart. Take those opportunities. Be bold. Um, and at the same time, I want, um, I want us all to be context-sensitive mm. and to know... 
I, I don't just wheel out this answer because this is what I always do. Please do be prayerful. Please do be listening to the wisdom of the Spirit as the Spirit is leading you um, to the Word mm. to be able to proclaim what is what God wants you to say in that moment, not not just because you've got you know these answers learnt by rote. So, mm. to be to be honest, I, I want I want us all to do both. Yeah. I want us to to have these up our sleeves so that we can put them aside when we sense that you know it's not right. It's, for me to just give an answer right now. Right now, I just need to reflect back to them. Mm. Right now, I just need to relate my own story right now. You know, m- maybe I don't need to give the, um, the answer right now. But learn the answer first mm. so that you've got that option. Yeah. That's, that's probably my, my, my parting shot on the issue of silver bullets. Learn them yeah. so that you can then discard them. But at least, at least have them in, mm. your, in your armory. Good. Okay, well, that's good. That kind of concludes our, our four-part series on quick answers, and uh, we'll um, go on to something new next time. Yeah, we're going to talk about... Um, we've, we've often talked on the Evangelist podcast about how to speak to secular people and to speak to people uh, who are atheistic in outlook and that kind of thing. Uh, we're going to do a series thinking about people who have a belief, who have what, what would be recognized as a religious belief. Mm. Um, so people who... Uh, might be spiritualists, people who believe in the new age, but also uh, Islam. We're going to talk to Jay Smith and people like that, and we're going to um, think about uh, how how we address people who already have faith commitments that they know about, and they're a signed-up member of an actual religion sort of thing. Um, so really looking forward to that. We've got some great interviews uh, lined up. Do tune in for that. Good. Okay, well, that's it for now. Uh, go to our website where you can find this and other episodes, and also you can sign up via the links there that we've... Uh, we've mentioned before uh, speaklife.org.uk slash TEP thanks very much for listening and see you then see you soon